No amount of schooling or lessons in life could have prepared Shannara Mobley for this day. Was it her age? She was all of 16. Or was it because all the babies born on the labor and delivery wing in that Northeast Florida hospital that Friday were boys, except hers? Kamaya Mobley was an 8-pound, 23-inch, chubby-cheeked baby girl with an amazing pile of black hair on top of her head. Or could it have been because Shannara was all alone and absolutely worn out after just having a baby? Is that what made her so attractive? Such inviting prey? So worthless and undeserving of her own baby? Or was it all of that? And if it wasn't that, then what was it? This is Eileen Kelly, an investigative reporter for the Florida Times Union and Jacksonville.com. In January 2017, my colleagues and I got word that there was a major break in the case of a young Jacksonville mother and her missing newborn daughter. Since then, this story would take me throughout this sprawling city along the St. John's River to small southern neighborhoods, from urban streets to rural churches. I would chase the lies so carefully hidden almost two decades earlier. It is my hope that you'll join me on this journey as I explore a story of lies, betrayal, devastation, and hope, trying to make sense of the unimaginable, of what happened on that steamy July day 20 years ago. Episode 1, Where's My Baby? Shannara had been running the streets pretty hard in her early teens. Her life was rough. In part, she would later say, because she wandered it that way. Also in part, because that life was forced upon her. Her mother was strict, and as the oldest child, she felt she often took the brunt of the discipline handed down by her. At age nine, someone she knew began molesting her. That would continue for two years. At age 14, she became pregnant, but that ended with a miscarriage. When she went to school, she went to Eugene Butler Middle, but most days she wouldn't. Home was a merry-go-round of stayovers with family and friends. She even lied about her age to get work as a living babysitter. To have a place to stay and to make some money. That money allowed her to run the streets. To have fun. To carry on. To make bad choices. She knew this wasn't the right way to live. She knew it needed to stop. She knew she had to make a change. And soon after that, the dizzy spells began. Shannara was pregnant. Four months along by the time she figured it out. The result of carrying on with a man 
whose mama lived across the street from her Uncle Bubba's where she was staying. She was all of 15. And this man, he was 22. To Shannara, the pregnancy was a sign from God. She had wanted a purpose in life, a reason to stop running. A baby, she thought, was just what she needed. I was real happy because I was hadn't been through so much in my life. And now I was having a baby and like everything seemed right. Everything seemed right. And like God was giving me another chance to scream up. So she filled her bedroom at Uncle Bubba's house with everything she'd need for the baby. There were clothes and other baby necessities donated by a church, and a counselor at the juvenile detention program she was assigned to helped out too. Shannara carefully washed the used clothes and hung up the new ones in a closet in the room she'd soon share with her daughter. In that room was a beautiful stark white bassinet covered in frills. In it sat a blue satin pillow and a tiny stuffed bear, all waiting for the little girl who was supposed to make Shannara's life right, perhaps for the first time in her life. June 30th. That was the day Shannara was told to come to the hospital so doctors could induce labor. But when that day came around, Shannara refused to go. This baby will come on her own terms, she reasoned. Plus, she was scared. The older girls and ladies in the neighborhood had told stories of what happens when you deliver a baby. And, well, this frightened the teen. So she waited. Days later, Shannara was on the phone with a friend when her water broke. It was late, around 11 p.m. on July 9th and her friend thought she was teasing and kept on talking. No, this is real. This baby is ready to come, she said. Though less than perfect, the teen made the most of it when she, Uncle Bubba, and his lady friend headed off to the hospital in his truck. Her mother wouldn't meet her there. She was living in central Florida at the time. And the baby's father... He wouldn't meet her there either. He was sitting in a jail cell on a drug charge. None of that mattered for now. Now was time. Time to bring this child into the world. A little north of downtown and a short distance from her home was University Medical Center, a hospital for those without insurance. Shannara entered the building, a nervous teen, waiting to give birth. When it came time for the epidural, the doctor asked Uncle Bubba and his friend to step out of the room. They left, and they didn't come back, leaving Shannara all alone. On July 10, 1998, Kamaya Mobley came into this world at 6.55 a.m., Wait to take home. 
and drizzle and shawl. That same day, another woman entered the same hospital, just an hour past midnight. She began roaming the halls. She was a pleasant-looking woman, with a broad smile, reading glasses, and shoulder-length hair that curled under just right. She wore medical scrubs, green bottoms and a floral top. To those that saw her, and many did that day in the hospital, she appeared to be in her mid to late 20s. She didn't sneak around the hospital. She didn't try and hide. In fact, she was in plain view that night, talking to people, lots of people. She asked questions, and they answered. At first, the questions were general. She observed what was happening in the nursery. She wandered the halls. A few hours later, her questions were more focused. Had Shannara Mobley given birth yet? The woman asked a nurse at one point. Where do I find Shannara's room? She asked a social worker. One nurse saw the woman standing near the nursery for two straight hours. But perhaps the most pointed question of all was when the woman asked this. When would the little Mobley girl be moved to her mother's room? None of these questions caused concern for the nurses, or the orderlies, or anyone on the floor for that matter. The woman, they reasoned, must have been there with a patient, right? Was she a mother? A sister? An aunt? Or a friend to celebrate a new birth? No. She was none of those. So why the interest in Shannara? What made her so inviting? That's still not clear. What we do know is Shannara sat in room 328 absolutely spent and dazed from the epidural given three hours earlier. She sat there all alone until the woman in scrubs walked in. She came in there and told me she was a nurse. And I thought that's what she was. She dressed it like one. They, they, they sent her in there to be with me for the day. Everybody's assigned to a nurse. She was real nice. She was real nice, proper tone and everything. So the new teenage mom and the woman talked and talked and talked. Actually, they talked for at least five hours. During that time, the woman held Shannara's sweet baby girl, looking at her with a big smile. She put her in the bassinet when Shannara asked her to. She'd hand her over when the mother said it was time. There was nothing threatening about the woman that day. Not only was she not threatening, she was friendly. She was helpful. She even helped Shannara get cleaned up and into a new gown. And she kept Shannara from being alone that Friday morning.
By 3 p.m. that day, Shannara had just started to doze off. The day had already been a long one for her. It was also long for the woman in scrubs. You see, by 3 p.m., she had been roaming the hospital for 14 hours. So, as the teen mom started to settle into sleep, the woman picked up Kamaya. She bent over and grabbed the baby's pacifier, but put it down when Shannara stirred in the bed. I'll be right back, the woman told the day's new mom. We need to get this baby checked for a fever. As the woman in scrubs headed out of the room with the swaddled Kamaya in her arms, she brushed past Velma Aiken, the newborn's grandmother. I'll be right back, the woman told the grandmother. Velma caught a glimpse of a large shoulder bag slung over the woman's arm. That doesn't seem right, she thought. Why would a nurse be carrying a purse? But she let it go, and the woman walked away, down the hall, right out of the hospital. A woman in scrubs, carrying a baby. A baby, now in her purse. It would only be a matter of minutes before the baby would disappear. In fact, she might have already been in a car on the highway when Shannara and the grandmother called over to the nursery 20 minutes after Kamaya had been carried from the room. The baby wasn't in the nursery, they were told. What? Now they knew something wasn't right. Shannara dragged her weakened body out of the bed. She struggled out of room 328. She had to find her baby. Using the walls to hold herself up, she began crying, screaming, hollering in the maternity ward's hallway. Where's my baby? Where's my baby? Screaming and I'm hollering and I'm cussing and everybody's standing around like they don't hear me and this woman I walked the hospital with my baby. On the next episode of Have You Seen Kamaya? Please bring me back my child. That's all I ask from you is my child back. Would a young mother's gut-wrenching please do anything to stop the heartache? Could it bring her baby back? Would it? The search for Kamaya would be massive. It would lead local television newscast. It would go national. To kidnap an hours-old newborn from a hospital nursery 
and her mother is is a 16-year-old unwed mom having her first child. You talk about something that is beyond the pale that you you just simply can't wrap your mind around and the story took the city by storm. Also in the next episode, we will explore who would take a baby girl from the hospital. Was Kamaya still alive? Who was this woman who gained the trust of Sonara? The woman who walked out of the hospital with a baby in her purse. Was she acting alone? Was it possible to pull off the unthinkable without any help? The public had a lot of questions. So did police. And everyone was repeatedly asked, Have you seen Kamaya? I'm investigative reporter Eileen Kelly, and you've been listening to a podcast produced by the Florida Times Union. Visit jacksonville.com forward slash Kamaya for more information about the case of the missing baby. That's jacksonville.com forward slash Kamaya, K-A-M-I-Y-A-H. There you'll find photos, videos, and original case documents. You'll also find the next episodes of this podcast as they become available. Or you can find episodes on Apple Podcast or anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Research for this story came in part from official records from the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office, the State Attorney's Office of the Fourth Judicial Circuit of Florida, Court Records, Times Union Archives, First Coast News, and WJXT News for Jacks. This podcast is edited by Times Union editor Mary Kelly Polka. It is produced by digital director Gary Mills. Have You Seen Kamaya is made possible with support from advertisers and subscribers to the Florida Times Union and Jacksonville.com. Learn more about how you can support our journalism at jacksonville.com forward slash subscribe now. Thank you for joining us.